welcome to the Laughing Monk Music Show. Today we have an Andy Wood. How are you? Hey, brother. How are you? Good to be back. I know, right? We had a little miniature, uh, little little session before, but it's good to have a little full one today. Uh, you've been busy though. You were super busy. Yeah, the the and running so- joke with me and a friend of mine, uh, Travis Toy. Uh, we always say we're busier than a Brad Paisley solo, and that is freaking busy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're on. I want to introduce people that don't know you. I mean, obviously, guitar 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 geeks like me know you and enjoy you. I mean, but for the uninitiated, you are a fantastic guitar player, but you're a little different than most guitar players because your background's a little bit different. You're not the average electric guitar background because you obviously have different string instruments in your background. So your sound is a little bit different, you know, a lot more eclectic, kind of fun. Your albums are a lot more mixed, not just a solid rock album. Got a little country, you got a little, you know, I want to say like Donny Osmond, a little country, a little, but you got a lot of everything in there, you know. <laughs> want to touch on just a little bit of your of your your early playing that made you that type of a guitar player? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like you said, it's... um. It's interesting to be uh, thought of, and and I guess I, I mean I really am. It's like an electric guitar player. Um, I, I still kind of consider myself a mandolin player first. Um, that just can't get a mandolin gig. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, no, my granddad was really. He's the the catalyst. He's the one that that did everything. Got it all started when I was about five or six. Uh, my cousin and I, we didn't have any siblings. It was just my cousin and myself for our generation for a long time. And, and granddad was a construction worker and, you know, we didn't come from a ton of money. And so there was instruments around the house and that's what we did. He got us started playing a lot of Bill Monroe tunes, Flat and Scruggs and Del McCurry. And later on it was New Grass Revival and Tony Rice and Mark O'Connor and stuff like that. Very, very heavy heavy into the um the uh, fiddle tune bluegrass world like far before it was popular like now if you go to merle fest thanks to yeah. sierra Hull and 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 allison kraus and billy strings now you go to merle fest there's you know two hundred thousand people there we used to go when we were kids you know 10 11 years old and there would be four thousand people there you know it was just a totally different scene back then i think a lot of that too not to sidestep the topic too much a lot of that was like when oh boy where art thou remember that film oh, I yeah it's like that, that kind of, pop, that pop, pop, pop the lid off of right? that, uh, yeah yeah it popped <laughs> the lid off of the popularity of uh bluegrass and americana music so you know that was the thing and uh the way i ended up on the electric guitar is due to uh buying a mark o'connor album that was called mark o'connor and the new nashville cats it had a i had bought it because sam bush and bela fleck and jerry douglas were playing on it and those are some of my favorite players um obviously not guitar players mandolin acoustic you know banjo string players i love bella yeah yeah great players so on that album track number four was a tune called pick it apart and I heard this insane Telecaster solo, and that made me want to be an electric guitar player. And that's was first time I heard Brent Mason, and it was like <laughs> all I needed to be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And so my life's goal was to be able to play the pick it apart solo, you know. <laughs> and so here we are, you know, I've had a great career um, in metal and rock and you know, my music is, uh, I don't ever really know how to label it. I guess it's like pseudo fusion where it's like, uh, there's, there's rock elements, there's 
fusion elements and then there's some bluegrass country elements i think you know most commonly people are like oh it's got that dixie dregs kind of vibe you know i, I think compared that. Yeah. to like that, that scene you know what i mean where it's like it's a compliment it's, it's yeah it's fusion it's a but with a with a southern drawl on it <laughs> it's 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 like smart rock it's and i say rock to me rock is not just you know like um, one type of music because i like a lot obviously everybody watches my channel to me rock is like just like it's all-encompassing if you just kind of turn it up put some energy into it you know what i mean there's a fine line between like country, like I love old country. So like a lot of your influences are the older country where it's the yeah. mandolin and it's a banjo and the guitar sounds totally different than now. I mean, talking about it the other day, I think really around the time when um, you're the same producer that's doing um, Def Leppard and Shania Twain. It's well, really right. when country, yeah, yes, but the people that aren't aware initiated, that's really where the kind of the, the, the start, the line started to blur with that rock. Cause I think a lot of the producers, whereas those who didn't sound a lot of like, they're things similar. But the country music got a little more commercial sounding, I think. It yeah, I mean, changed. well, I mean, look at it. Look at it this way from a guitar nerd standpoint. If you like things like Giant and White Snake, right. um, the guitarist was a guy named Dan Huff, and well, I mean, like Dan was a session player that did some of the White Snake remixes and stuff. Anyways, he played Giant and uh, Shred guitar player, like nuts, Shred chops. He moved to Nashville and was doing sessions. So he was playing on Clint Black records and Faith Hill records. And now he's one of the most successful producers in, in the game, producing things like Rascal Flats and Keith Urban and all that stuff. Um, he's one of my all time favorite guitar players. Like Dan is one of the sassiest tone havingest really? six string slingers. I mean, he's, he's like, to me, he's at my round table. Like we've all got our guys that sit, you know, like some people are Marty Friedman guys. Some people are so-and-so guys like Dan is like, he's one of like my guys, like, like round table of the elite kind of. I'm going to have to go back uh, and, and, and you know, so Mutt, was, Mutt was hiring Dan to play on those mm -hmm. records. He was playing, you know, and him and Brent were playing on those records. So it totally makes sense. But, but you have the old school sound and you, you take it with you now and everything. So yeah. your music is so fun. It's like your album is like each song you're like, I mean, you kind of divide up a little bit, but man, it's so fun because you just kind of don't know what you're going to get each song. You got a lot of everything in there, you know, kind of like yeah. the kitchen sink yeah, of, it, you know, of music. That's an evolution, right? Like as a younger player, my first album was a little more segregated towards like, okay, this is the seven string metal song. And then mm -hmm. the next track would be like, okay, this is this kind of song. Um, getting older and just being on, on the journey of music and life, you know, uh, as, as I've changed and embraced where I'm from and, you know, the kind of, kind of life that I've had, um, I started pulling those influences into the music. So as I changed, the music reflected that, you know? And so mm -hmm. junk town is the ironically the most successful album I've done. And also that's the one where I was pulling in the different influences and not trying to segregate everything out into genres. Like this, is this has to be the metal song. This has to be the ballad. Like junk is just like, it's all, they're all in each song, like all yeah. the influences. And I feel like that's where I really got comfortable with my identity musically. And I feel like, yeah, I, I know what my sound is. I think that you're right. I mean, it's totally, as a fan listening to you, I feel it's definitely a home run because to me, I'm in a mood for music. I usually put on different types of music. You kind of feel like a mood. I just don't know what I'll listen to. Uh, there's only a handful of groups I can do that to. You're one of them. You know, I, feel like listen, I want to listen to something. My brain really needs some music. Andy Wood's going to fill it because, you, you know, you kind of go on different adventures. You know, you're not going to be like stuck in one thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to me. I like so many different styles of music. So, yeah. 
it's definitely important. So obviously, song songwriting has changed for you, right? Yeah, songwriting is is evolved too because I've been you know a co writer on out on on songs with other artists, and I now, you know, in in my twenties, I was in a rock band called Down From Up, and we were touring with like Seven Dust and Drowning Pool and those kind of like hard rock kind of scenes. Again, it was like more about shredding, you know, kind of not not one dimensional, but one dimensional, you know. Like I was, I was touring with a diesel and a couple of four twelves, you know, this is like that kind of, right. <laughs> you're, you're committed to a sound. Yeah. Committed. Right. So I, uh, you know, getting older, um, revisiting things, uh, you know, there's a, there's a fantastic artist in Nashville named Dave, Dave Kennedy. And he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He's a, a writer for Warner brothers or, 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 or chapel or one of those labels, you know, I can't, can't recall. He, he successful songwriter he's got an amazing voice that's really in that kind of chris stapleton jelly roll kind of kind of lane and we have a band called the kennedy wood band and uh it's 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 a really bluesy like not traditional but like if you like things like mark brassard and stapleton and those you know dave cobb records you know that that's the kind of music that we make and so my focus in in as a songwriter in that kind of environment is about strong melodies and uh incorporating a creative yet strong melody over a very simple chord progression that presents a different kind of challenge right like 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 certain songs like uh you know forgotten secrets or junk town or whatever like they, or, or they they've got more more chord changes and more interesting rhythmic things going on. There's a lot going on. So from a soloing standpoint, you've got a lot to sink your teeth into. Um, the opposites to be true in those genres, like what Kennedy Woodband does. And it's because the chord progressions are so simple. You have to really think on a melodic standpoint. And I think, you know, you see the brilliance of guys like Dwayne Allman in an Allman Brothers scenario like how right. he could play i could solo over whipping post which is literally a minor indefinitely for three three minutes solo over that yeah yeah never run out of ideas and never run out of really good melodies right and never run out of fire so uh it, that that has helped me evolve as a songwriter a lot and you know obviously being stuck at home for two and a half years or two years during a pandemic I wrote about 53, 52, 53 demos, and uh, now we're finishing wow. up the record. Yeah, so uh, it, that record, this new record that I'm getting ready to finish up, hopefully we're looking at a June release. Um, the working title for the record is Charisma. And uh, the, the, the new record is interesting because I didn't allow myself to write, quote, unquote, the guitar solo. So this is instrumental music, right? But we can all agree when you hear Summer Song by Satriani or Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson that right. we know the melody of the song, but we also know where they start soloing, right? They solo like later. So one of the things that was interesting about this this record that I'm doing is I call it my pandemic record, right? Um, I didn't allow myself to write any hot hot shot parts. I wrote 52 songs that were just melodies and verses and choruses. Okay. And when it comes okay. time to call out all the different songs, I was able to find the 10 with the strongest melodies, right? Because it wasn't like I was trying to serve the purpose of, Ooh, this has got the sickest solo. I've got to track that one. Right. I wasn't playing towards my, uh, uh, approach of like trying to write something flashy, 
for the sake of flash and then mm -hmm. it not having a strong melody to anchor it like this this record's really about tone and melodies and uh and 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 storytelling from an instrumental music like it's very there's some cinematic aspects to it um so it, it's got a it's got a different perspective on it you know that's, that's and some cool, really cool solo. And, and some really killer guest solos on it so oh, so really? they're I'll say this, like Brent Mason is doing a guest solo and it's like when he sent it to me, I just laughed. It's so good. So hot. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and I, I think I agree with you. I think with Satriani and groups that songs have a melody, it can be much more actually enjoyable as a listener to hear over and over again. I mean, because sometimes if you're doing too much guitar, too much shredding in the, in the solo, you kind of jump to jump to shark really in a way that we're a fan to listen to all the time. It's almost overwhelming. Like, like Ingve. Ingve is a great guitar player. I can't sit listening to like that, like like I would listen to you, you know. Like, it can be just I, too much. Yeah, I love I love old Ingve, I do. Um, but in a sense, I know what you're saying. Like, there's a difference for me when I go to listen to a player. I grab a mm -hmm. song or two, versus if I'm going to listen to an entire album as a complete right. thought. Right. You know, um, there's a really good mantra that I've tried to hold myself to. Um, ironically from the Disney family movie, the Incredibles, you know, we're <laughs> yeah. all superheroes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I love that. Like I, I love Sam Jackson, right? he's, he's yeah. frozen or whatever, but, uh, in that movie, the villain is this little kid and he grows up and he becomes the, the, the villain that wears the black and white outfit. And he mm -hmm. says, I'm going to make everybody super because when everyone's super, no one's super. And so I've, I've had that, like as the 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 uh, mantra for this new record if everything that i play is over the top technique and over the top yeah. insane shred then nothing's going to be important so right. I've, I've i've built these this this these 10 songs and this album has a cover on it which is rare for me i don't do a lot of covers um i'm doing a cover of saying that i kind of took the allison chains rooster uh tune and kind of turned it into a jeff beck hendrix inspired approach to the song Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the double entendre with it being a guy that's a Telecaster chicken picking kind of guy. A song about a rooster is kind of, it kind of checks all my boxes, right? And I've, I've really been in love with this new record using a lot of really gnarly, ugly tones. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like the pretty slick hero guitar tones, obviously, with if you listen to my records, that's the kind of thing I go for. But on this new record, I'm using a lot of things that are interesting. Like one's laying on my desk right here. It's this like, fuzzy drive and it's just really gnarly and ugly big muff kind of thing and then i've got another octafuzz over here i'm just really enjoying uh those kind of tones on this new record just to kind of broaden the sonic palette you know yeah. to make the whole yeah. album fun again going back to that that thing that you've been talking about make it a listenable experience for an hour you're not something that you're like hey i'm gonna listen to the hot song and then i'm out you know what i mean right. Yeah, you actually, yeah, because you only did um. I don't know how many of the covers you've done. I think you, well, Amazing Grace you had on one of your early albums, but you don't really have a lot of. I have a cover of um, a a Bill Monroe tune on one of my first records that my granddad's playing with me on on the one of his first records. That's so cool. That's pretty, yeah, that's, that's a really cool. important one. And then I have a cover of um, Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin mm -hmm. on, on the Tr Truth and Lie double record. Um, yeah. I did that as an instrumental acoustic, like 
kind of thing and it came out really cool but yeah in general i don't really do a ton of covers uh in, in on my albums and so obviously taking a the, the this approach was inspired a lot by spending a lot of time with andy timmons he's been a yeah. big mentor and uh kind of a you know a, a jedi master to me for for about five years now and and watching the joy uh come across the audience and across Andy when he plays things like the Beatles tunes or the queen stuff. It's like, yeah, it's really engaging on a magical level and it's really inspirational. And I started taking inventory of my favorite guitar players. And I was like, dude, Jeff Beck, his career is built on covers. Like it's okay to play covers. You just got to make it your own thing. And so that's why I wanted to reach into an, uh, uh, again, kind of, I love irony. Like I, I love it, you know, and I think Allison Chains is doing an instrumental guitar hero version of an Allison Chains song is very ironic because that was a band that was like at the pinnacle of guitar solos. Aren't that cool? You know what I mean? It's like in the nineties, yeah. like the flannel area era, there was not, you know, it was the death of spandex. It was like, you know, so I love that, that, that kind of ironic twist on it. And, um, and choosing that tune was an interesting vehicle also harmonically because it's got a what I, I like to call an ambiguous third right like if you're playing an f sharp you have a b flat note but then the chord progression is like f sharp major to b to a major so you have this ambiguous third in there so it's a it's just harmonically rewarding and when we did it on ship rocks this this cruise gig i just did we debuted the tune there a very fitting environment because the the audience is there for rock and metal and so i knew it was going to be okay and accepted by the public when the crowd was literally singing the chorus louder than we were on stage it was really like a magical moment i look over at ben ben's playing bass with me ben eller and we just kind of look at each other like all right it works you feel like you're a gladiator at rome when you throw stuff out for the first time you're like okay the, the the public will accept this this is okay you guys had a lot to do though for that show too. There's a clip. There's clips online. I know you have it on Patreon, but I haven't seen that. Uh, but you do have some clips online though, like a like a little collage or montage rather of of the show of uh, cameras. It's pretty fun actually. Four shows. Yeah, it's actually four shows. So th- I've been hired by Shiprocked. I love those guys that put it on, and I've been hired by them for years. This is like my seventh or eighth one, but I'm always hired as a. Um, you know, like instrumental guy, I like usually, usually the only guy that does like kind of instrumental music on the cruise. And, uh, I've always been a part of it as an artist this year, they brought me in to kind of man the helm on the musical director side of stowaways, which is like their mega jam that they do. They have all these different artists from all these different bands and they, they all choose different covers based upon the theme of the the cruise or whatever mm-hmm. so uh it was really fun and it was an absolute ton of work you know like me and ben and andy campbell the drummer we prepped for about six or seven weeks um being able to play every song you know and know every part and every change of everything um going into it that way that any artist could come in or out that may want to play on the tune. And like, we knew that, you know, that the pieces would always yeah. fit together. Um, but it was really, really cool. There was so many 
great moments of it. Uh, obviously, there's a guy that, that that I say obviously, but it's obvious to me. I guess it's not obvious to the listener. Um, <laughs> for, for me, a highlight, uh, there's a guy named Keith Wallen who has a great solo career now, but he also plays and sings in Breaking Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith is a fellow Knoxvillian. And we kind of grew up at the same time and playing in the, you know, in the same scene and stuff. So when he came out to do pretender, we got to hug each other and be like, man, this is like 15 years overdue to be on stage together at, you know, at a festival or whatever. So that was a really special moment for me. And then there's so many great, great fans, not fans, like so many great friends in that environment that we got to make some music with Phil Dimmel from Machine Head, uh, the Aranda guys, Corey Glover from, uh, uh, Living Color, uh, mm-hmm. Jason from from Five Finger Death Punch, and, and and Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Like it was really really cool to to just you know be so involved. How did like to find the right singers and the right performers for some songs? Some singers' voices don't always work with certain songs, whether they're a good singer or not, because they have their own style. Pick out the songs and put the song list together. Who put that all together? And so far in advance, you guys were ready, like. Because watching it yeah. seems seems flow it's like a flow seamless. The artists sound great yeah. with the songs. You know what yeah. I mean? The voices are great. You never so know. I don't I don't have a lot of call on choosing tunes. Um, I don't have a lot of call on choosing artists. Like that's that's an upper management decision, as I like to call it. <laughs> you know, it's like that's the guys that actually put on Shiprock. Yeah. I'm brought in to just make make the set really work. I'm brought in to um think about uh who's going to be playing which guitar part in songs that have guitar parts. Like that's kind of like, again, like a band leader, like I was basically a band leader, a musical director. Um, So I appreciate the kind words about the flow because that is my responsibility to make sure that it flows really well. Um, But yeah, uh, it's, it's fun because artists will choose tunes that like one of the sets was themed after the nineties. Right. So we were doing, which is interesting to see. Yeah, we were doing like Offspring and Kid Rock and early 2000s and doing like Nookie by Limp Biscuit and all this stuff. Um, so it was fun to see who would choose what. Lacey from Flyleaf uh, did Weezer, uh, Buddy Holly. And I was like, oh, the Flyleaf girl, done Buddy Holly? And so we get there and she runs this killer, right? Um, the young lady, Christina from Kaleido, did Offspring. and uh, Yeah, that sounded good. And it was awesome. She crushed it. So uh, Davy Suicide and Mixie, they both did Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. And it was was really cool. Yeah, you could just jump over to YouTube to my channel and see the highlight reel from some of that. It was really, really really fun and I'm, I'm pleased to say that we're back in the saddle for next year so if for for those that are interested you know shiprock.com we'll we'll have the artist list and everything for uh next year's cruise and we'll be doing the doing the stowaways thing again so i may have to make it one of these years i don't know i could pass my fear of the ocean and sharks but yeah, that's a separate thing it's a separate issue for me and a psychiatrist but that's no <laughs> but yeah it, it was fantastic i always wondered how, how it was put together because obviously Someone's thinking also vocally how it works. Jams don't always work. Superstar jams don't always work if it's impromptu. It can be a hot mess. So, well, I mean, on the flip, that's that's the benefit of having guys like Phil Dimmel and Jason Hook and Corey right. Glover. These guys are improvisers. Like, if you look at Jason Hook and Nod, yeah. he's going to take a monster solo like Bumblefoot. Like we did it with Bumblefoot, and Ron's one of my dudes. Like I love that guy. I love that guy's playing. He's one of my favorite players and favorite dudes. And 
you can look at that guy and be like shred and he's gonna just tear it to pieces so there is the flip side of that where it's like we're dealing with guys that 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 can, Gross, that can yeah. roll yeah that can throw down so but Corey was doing what word, uh was he doing word up yeah uh, yeah, yeah Corey that was awesome word up. And uh, Jason took a nasty solo on that that was completely improvised, and yeah, it was it was killer. Phil Phil's a nasty good guitar player too. So you have, and uh, we start we're round and wrap up. We're sure gonna give back your time, but I want to say um, you have a, something coming up though. Uh, big guitar event August, right? Yeah, Is yeah, it? my guitar event. Uh, yeah, that. yeah, that's that's a that's a really fun special thing and and it's called the woodshed guitar experience i'll just tell you about what it is it's a four-day three-night weekend that's uh it's six to seven of the best guitar players on the planet and you spend we limit it to 100 people in attendees so it's a very vip premium type of yeah that because here it's twofold right the number one thing is like every person that's attending this as a as a camper they don't have to stress about, am I going to get a chance to talk to them? Am I going to be able to get them to sign my pit guard? There's only a hundred people there. You got four days. Like you're eating breakfast with these dudes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like all the time in the world. Now on the flip side, from the artist perspective, cause I've done a lot of these events is the other side of it. Right. Um, it's, it, you don't feel overwhelmed. Like you're looking out into a sea of 2000 people and you're like, I'm never going to be like, how am I going to make a connection with these people that are spending this money to do this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about the VIP experience. Like it really is. Now with that said, let me just rattle off some names of people that have done it in the past. Joe Bonamassa, Robin Ford, Andy Timmons. We got Andy Timmons coming back this year. We got Mark Letary, Brent Mason. We've had Nick Johnson. We've had Tosin Abasi. Uh, and, and this year I'm so excited to say that one of my biggest influences, Eric Johnson will be there this year. So nice. it is just magnificent if you're a guitar fan and uh, we are quickly selling out and we haven't even done our press release yet. So if you're interested in this type of event where you can spend four days learning from the greatest guitar players that I can wrangle. And I mean, these are living legends. Like Eric Johnson is a living legend. And uh, like I said, we had Robin Ford, same thing. It's like, he's telling stories about playing with Miles Davis and stuff. It's just unbelievable. Um, really cool moment is Robin let every camper play through his Dumble and his like. We're just, I was just like, holy crap! This is like once in a lifetime chance to wow. be like, yeah, I played. I was playing through Robin's <laughs> like Dumble number two, like the second the second amp that Alex Dumble built was for Robin, and he brought it to the camp because he lives in Nashville. And the event's right outside of Nashville. It's on a private property. We don't do it at like a Hyatt or a Marriott. No right. offense to Hyatt. I'd like, I love no, it. but it looks pretty. It looks very, it looks nice. We own the property. And so we have all these nice cabins. We've got, you know, we bring in a full line array rig and, and include it in your, your, your package that when you, when you buy in to come to it, you get three nights of concerts. So obviously you're getting concerts by the, the artist, but you're yeah. also getting full day of lessons like one-on-one lessons. This, we, we break it down into small groups. So you're in a group with like 18 to 20 other people. And like, it's just you and Joe Bonamassa or whoever it might be that year. Right. 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 Like, and, and again, the full roster this year is a young, young player named Seth Rosenblum. Obviously I've mentioned Eric a lot. Uh, Mark Letary is coming back from snarky puppy. Uh, Brent Mason will be back. 
Greg Cock will be back. Andy Timmons will be back. It's going to be insane. And so we also, one of the other things with all having all this, this, this Avengers level lineup of guitar players, we can reach into to all the manufacturers that make our gear and the mm-hmm. manufacturers come and bring gear and we do giveaways. Like we give away, it's all like last year we gave away Mark Letary signature PRS. Like wow. we do like really, really cool stuff just because like I said, it's just such a controlled it, it, you know, it, it reminds me of like going to Nam and the after parties that people will be like, oh, did you see the Ibanez after party where like Satriani was jamming and Billy Gibbons got up on stage or what? Like, that's the kind of environment where we, we just built and controlled because, you know, due to pandemic, Nam wasn't happening. So I put together this labor of love and, and I, I just wanted to build the event that a 19 year old me would have killed somebody to go to, you know? It seems really reasonable looking at the prices online too. And, and, and the, the oh, yeah. cabins look beautiful. Like it actually seems like you guys are, I don't know how you guys are going to pay for everything for the prices you guys are charging really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, again, it we like sell it really kind of like you do a cruise. We sell it like, a, like, like when you pay in, we bring in a chef, like a really incredible chef. And then all your alcohol is paid for. If you like, like to drink your lodgings covered, all your lessons are covered. Like I said, the manufacturers are there. You don't have to bring anything. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. It's I, like it's crazy. The prices look like it would actually be like a cruise, and then have like fourteen awesome guitar players there on top of it. Like it doesn't even feel like it's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, so like I, when we were putting it together, you know, one of the things that I said, you know, when we were putting it together, and I was putting my name on it and working really tightly with John, we're like, let's build a ten to fifteen thousand dollar event and charge a fifth of that. And, and that, that's how, that's, that's the business model. It's like, man, we're not trying to get rich off of it. We're trying to have an event that like is mind blowing. <laughs> that's what we're trying to do. It, it is. It, it, it affords comfort. You always have to pay bills, obviously, but it's very much a fan experience. It's very much a musical inspiring experience. And that's just me. I was not even going. It feels like it really embraces the, the, the musician's love of music and sharing it with the fans, you know? Yeah. And, and, you, and really you can't, do anything in life for free. I mean, that's just how the world runs. But to have like well, great yeah, meals and, 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 and nice lodging and a vacation, come on. Yeah, and, and you know, the most important thing is like when I reach out and I pick up the phone, I'm not a booking agent. I'm not a promoter. I'm an artist. So when I pick up the phone and I call my friends in the industry, yeah, I'm, I'm not calling them to come to for free. Like I'm like, hey, man. Right, right exactly. I want to take care of you. You know, that's the thing. I really want everyone to have this really great experience. And, and it's beautiful because it sits on this like beautiful open front lake. So the first night of the event um, is a bluegrass uh, concert, Mm -hmm. like the night one, because that's how I grew up. So it's always fun to be like, Hey, this is how we kick off the event. The Friday night concert is all of the artists doing their favorite covers no prep like we go on stage and we're like all right give me all your love and zz top let's play it you know and there's some killer moments like last year tom quell and mark letary played the chicken famous jocko you know arrangement yep. or whatever and murdered it right it's just incredible like andy timmons is doing like the queen stuff or the Beatles stuff or whatever and then saturday night everybody's playing like their signature stuff like i was playing stuff off of junk town mark's doing the you know goon squad and stuff like that that's awesome man it looks really awesome. People check it out. It's on his website. Um, yeah. You got Patreon on there. You do woodshedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to pop on. You've got a lot of stuff going on. People really need to go. It's it's a full service website that tells you a lot. You know, you offer um, all kinds of packages and lessons and all kinds of things. So people really, you know, you're full service, really. Despite yeah, how busy you are. 
I'm just a fan. Like I just love to play music and I love to, I love to, you know, do as much as I can for the guitar community, you know, uh, and, and offer as many things as I can. It's a beautiful technological point that we're at in human in humanity's existence to where I can make stuff and make videos on the road and stuff. And yeah, yeah, like I was telling you before we started recording, like, man, I've only been home like five or six days in February. And it's like the touring with uh, Gary LaVox from Rascal Flats doing his solo album. You know, we've been to Hawaii. We've been to, I I went to LA and I filmed the NASCAR thing. I don't know who saw that from uh, Fontana. I did a promo out there and it was killer, but yeah, it's the hustle is real. Like it's, it's, it's moving and shaking. But you always have time for everybody. I mean, as busy as you were, you you, you know, you you're like, yeah, we'll get to this. You got time. And we've always been, you know, you are a fan and you're very supportive. And I want to thank you for for coming on the show. And I want people to check you out. I don't. And I'm I'm, I'm excited for the new album too. It's gonna be awesome. Thank you, man. I'm excited. I appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you.